Good morning, church. Hi. All right. I wanted to remind us that we are in our fourth week of talking about what it means to love one another. And I wanted to remind us that the only way we can love one another as God calls us to is by spending time with him where he pours his love into us and it overflows to those around us. So please keep that in mind. We can only love others and live the life God calls us to by him pouring himself into us. All right, so today I wanted to start out, have you guys ever played this board game? Ever played Clue? This is the exact game that I played when I was a kid, like the box and everything, like we were old school. And I always had to be Professor Plum. I really have no idea why, but I guess I wanted to be smart. I wish God would have helped me do that. Um, so <clears throat> playing Clue, one of the things that I loved about this game was it was a whodunit. And you didn't know who it was, you couldn't figure it out until you played the whole game, right? So the question that I have for us today is, have you ever had a whodunit in your house? Hopefully not murder, <laughs> but have you ever had a whodunit where you're trying to figure it out? Here's a clip I'd like to show you of a time that happened. Topher? What? what? Who got green and white sprinkles all over the kitchen floor? Uh, Olive. Olive did. How did she get sprinkles all over the kitchen floor? With her mom? With her arms? Does Olive have arms? No. No? I didn't do it. You didn't do it? Why do I think you did it? Because Pops did it. Pops did it? Yes. Why would Pops get green and white sprinkles all over the kitchen floor? Oh, no. Probably because his tie did it. His tie? Yep. Is Pops wearing a tie today? Mm -mm. What are you eating? Cookie. What's on that cookie? Mm -hmm. What color? White. What color are the sprinkles on the floor? White. I'm making a connection here. Yeah. Did you get the sprinkles on the floor, Topher? No, Topher, don't lie. Sorry. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> you just, but don't lie, Topher. It's not that big of a deal. We'll sweep them up, right? Yeah. All right. Or I'll clean them. Or I'll them. That's good, too. <laughs> so, have you ever had that at your house, right? You walk in, you walk into a room, and you're like, oh my gosh, who made this mess? And you're trying to figure it out, and it's a miracle. Like, no one did. No one made the mess. The question that that video makes me think about is why is it so hard to confess? Because you saw he was coming up with all kinds of excuses. Oh, uh, the dog did it. Uh, Pop's tie did it. It clearly could not have been me. So we have a very hard time confessing when we know we have sinned or made a mistake. So I wanna talk about a couple reasons why I think we struggle with confessing. First off, I think it's fear. We don't want to get in trouble. I think Topher realized, uh, mom is asking about the sprinkles. She, she's not smiling, so this must be bad. 
So if I say yes, then it's bad and I'll be in trouble. So I'm just going to say it was the dog. Fear stops us from confessing. And even we can see it clearly when we're kids, but I think especially when we're adults, we struggle with this too. Because we don't want people to know the sin that's in our life, the places where we struggle. We are afraid of what the consequences, the ramifications, if someone else were to know. If someone in our life were to know, oh, this is, this is where Jeremy struggles. This is where Jeremy sins. Well, then they won't look at me the same. And I think that fear ties in with another reason why we don't confess our sins to one another would be pride. We don't want people to know the real us. We don't want people to know that we are broken, that we struggle, that we're sinners. And so we put on this happy face and we act like everything is okay. We got this covered. I don't need any help. And so fear and pride, I think, are two reasons why we do not confess to one another. Now, off of that is another reason, off of pride, I think is another reason why we don't confess, and that's blindness. And you say, what? I don't, <laughs> what are you talking about, Jeremy? So I read this quote earlier this week, and it says this, pride infects our eyesight, causing us to view ourselves through a lens that colors and distorts reality. Pride will paint even our ugliness in sin as beautiful and commendable. And I think all of us probably have been there at least once where we look at our behavior and we go, well, that's not sin. I'm doing this because of this reason and this reason and this reason. And it's a good reason. It's honoring God. And we are blinded to our own sin. And it's really hard to confess sin that we don't recognize in ourselves. I think in our relationships, whether it be here at church or in our families, with friends, there's definitely times where we have hurt people and we don't even recognize it. And when we do that, there's no way we can reconcile that relationship because we don't think we've done anything wrong. So how are we supposed to love one another well when pride and fear and blindness to our own sin stop us from reconciling, stop us from confessing, stop us from asking forgiveness? Psalms has a couple clues. So in Psalm 139, which you guys should recognize parts of, David wrote this psalm. And I'm gonna read the first four verses, then I'll hit a, bit, a little bit in the middle, and then I'll hit the end. So if you have your Bibles, or if you have your smartphones, you wanna look up Psalm 139, you can as well. Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You know me when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O oh Lord. That time when you get angry and you say stuff you know you shouldn't say, God knows what you're gonna say before you even say it. He knows you so well. He created you, which is what the rest of the psalm goes into. 
It says in verse 14, or actually 13, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God knows us inside and out. He knows our sin. He sees our sin. You cannot hide it from him. So he ends the psalm with verse 23. Psalm 139, 23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I think this is a huge step to helping us not be blind to our own sin. Search me, know me, see if there is any offensive way in me, and then lead me in the way everlasting. Lead me so that I don't go down those paths anymore. Show me my sin, because you know it all. I can deceive myself. Help me see my sin and lead me differently, Lord. Lead me differently. David also says in Psalm 51, and you guys will recognize this. Um, Psalm 51 was written after David was caught having committed adultery and murder. I think David recognized some of his sin because he tried to cover it up. But then Nathan the prophet came to him and told him a story about a poor man and his sheep and a rich guy who stole that sheep and he didn't recognize it was himself. He was blind to his own sin in that moment. So what did he pray afterwards, starting at verse 10? Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Show me my sin, help me see it, lead me in a different path and make me new so that I do not live that way anymore. Create in me a pure heart. Give me a willing spirit. And once I am there, then I'll be able to teach transgressors their ways. I will be able to speak truth to my brothers and sisters like we talked about last week because I will see my sin, I will have repented of my sin and God will be changing my heart. He will be changing my mind. He will be transforming me. So, how to deal with blindness. To take blindness away. Search me, lead me, and create in me a new person. So we've talked for a little bit about what is it that stops us from confessing to one another? Fear, pride, and not seeing our own sin. But out of that, what's the blessings? What's the benefits of truly 
confessing to one another. Let's talk about it. First off, first benefit is mercy. Confession brings mercy. In Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13, he who conceals his sin does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. He who conceals his sin does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Have you ever had that experience? Where there was something going on in your life that either was coming to light or just was such a heavy burden you needed to share it with someone and you shared it and that person, instead of responding in anger or hate or disgust, loved you. They shared compassion with you. They gave you God's love despite the dirtiness that you presented. I hope you've experienced that because it is an incredibly gracious, renewing, refreshing experience to be loved unconditionally. And I promise you, you will not be able to experience that unless you confess because that shows humility and that shows a recognition of how you have failed and how you have hurt. So I wanna challenge you today. If God is laying something on your heart, if you know that there is a sin in your own life that you've been wrestling with for a while and that you still, I don't want anyone to know, pray about who you should share that with. Whether it's a family member, whether it's a spouse, whether it's someone here at church, I challenge you to do that because I want you to experience the mercy and the healing that can come from confession. That's point number two. Confession brings healing. In James chapter five, verse 16, it says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Confess your sins so that you may be healed. I want you to experience freedom from whatever sins drag you down. And the only way you can begin the road to freedom and healing is to confess it. You've got to share it. You've got to be real about it. You've got to say, this is where I stink. This is where I struggle. Please pray for me. And I hope you have relationships in your life where you can pursue sharing regularly. There's some denominations that have confession regularly and it's a requirement. I recognize some of the blessings of that and I recognize that that could be a struggle sometimes too. But I hope you have a person that you can share with because when you share, it brings healing. And I don't just mean healing in the terms of being free of sin. I also mean healing in terms of emotional pain. I talk to lots of different people, students, etc. And one of the things that I've recognized is you cannot begin to heal 
from the pain that you have endured that's been done to you wrongly unless you're willing to share. And again, fear and pride stop us from doing that. But we've gotta be real about what we've gone through, the pain we've endured, the struggles we've encountered so that people can truly pray for us. Because if they don't know that this happened two years ago and we're still wrestling with it, they're not gonna have any clue that we're struggling. They're not gonna know how to pray for us. They're not gonna encourage us with truth. They're not gonna tell us, Jeremy, you should go talk to a counselor for a little bit. Okay, I need someone to be able to listen and share with and say, this is me, warts and all. This is what I have endured and I wanna be free of it. I wanna be renewed, I wanna be changed, I wanna be healed. God's word says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Third, benefits of confession, mercy, healing, fellowship. And this is our text for today. This is from 1 John starting at verse five, chapter one, verse five. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. I wanna read verse seven again. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. We have got to be real about who we are. We have got to walk in the light fully so that we truly can have fellowship with one another. I have a clip I wanna show from the movie Freedom Writers. So this movie came out 10 years ago, I think. And this movie is about this inner city school and this teacher, played by Hilary Swank, who came to help these kids to teach. And she recognized when she got there, there was so much hatred and anger and infighting that they weren't friends. They attacked one another, they tore each other down. So she works with them, she continues to encourage them, she speaks truth to them. She has them start writing in a journal. Near the end of the year, she has them share parts of their journal. So they've gotten to the point where they are able to be vulnerable with one another, be real with one another. And the clip that I'm gonna show is a kid that some of them didn't even know was in class with them, decides to share. And I want you to watch how people respond to his vulnerability and his confession about what has gone on in his, on in his life. 
Nobody ever listens to a teenager. Not everybody thinks you should be happy just because you're young. And they don't see the wars that we fight every single day. And one day my war will end. And I will not die. And I will not tolerate abuse from anyone. I am strong. My mom's kicked me out when I got jumped into the gang life. But I'd like her to see me graduate. I'd like to be 18. Miss G, carry something from my diary? That'd be great. Ozzy, man, he's been with us for freshman year, fool. What's his name? The summer was the worst summer in my short 14 years of life. It all started with a phone call. My mother was crying and begging, asking for more time. I said she was gasping for her last breath of air. She helped me as tight as she could and cried. Her tears hit my shirt like bullets and told me we were being evicted. She kept apologizing to me. I thought I have no home. I should have asked for something less expensive at Christmas. On the morning of the eviction, a hard knock on the door woke me up. The sheriff was there to do his job. I looked up at the sky, waiting for something to happen. My mother has no family to lean on, no money coming in. Why bother coming to school or getting good grades if I'm homeless? The bus stops in front of the school. I feel like throwing up. I'm wearing clothes from last year, some old shoes and no new haircut. I kept thinking I'd get laughed at. Instead, I'm greeted by a couple of friends who were my English class last year. And it hits me, Mrs. Gerwell, my crazy English teacher from last year, is the only person that made me think of hope. Talking with friends about last year's English and our trips, I began to feel better. I received my schedule, and the first teacher is Mrs. Gerwan, room 203. I walk into the room and feel as though all the problems in life are not so important anymore. I am home. That is the beauty of confession. That is what it means to be real with one another, to share our sin, to share our fears, to share our pain and our heartbreak. That's what it means to be vulnerable with one another so that we can love one another. I feel like it's all too often that it's easy to just put up walls while we're at church. Casting Crowns has a song called Stained Glass Masquerade. And basically, I feel like it speaks to the truth of we just walk around like happy plastic people, putting faces on that say, life's good. I live in Colorado. I like my church. I like my job. Broncos don't totally suck. We just carry this face 
And we're not fully, truly honest about who we are. If you wanna experience mercy and compassion like you've never experienced, if you wanna experience deep fellowship, if you wanna experience healing, then you've got to confess. I've done lessons on confession with students in the past. And one of the things that I've always encouraged them after the lesson is I've said, I'm just gonna go to my office. Anyone wanna talk? Come find me there. And I've had students come, sometimes three, four deep, waiting, because they want to confess. I encourage you, please find someone to confess to. Someone that you trust, someone that loves Jesus, someone who the Holy Spirit lives within, so they can pour out compassion and mercy, encourage healing, and you will have that fellowship that you yearn for. Don't let a day pass. Be real so that you are known, so that you experience the love that God has for you.